Good evening, good evening, good evening, and a happy Wednesday to you, wherever you may be right now, but I welcome you. You are listening or watching live right now, the Father's Table Podcast, and I am your host, Ronnell Tate, and I happen to be the lead pastor of the Father's House located in Frisco, Texas, and I just welcome you to another beautiful, awesome, tremendous Wednesday evening, Wednesday night in the presence of the Lord. I pray that those of you who are joining us live, that the Lord finds you blessed, overcoming and that you're well in his presence. And I just welcome you on our various platforms. We have our website that is live, hispresence.church. We're on Facebook Live, on the Father's Table page, as well as my personal page. We're on vimeo.com. We're on YouTube Live. We're also on Instagram Live right now. So we're on multiple streams in multiple places for one reason. We simply want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and we want to help his body sons and daughters all over to step into that place move into the destiny to come into the fullness of the reality for which they were created and designed to be to live it is this desire and this longing to see people become fully alive not just existing which I fear too many of us are doing we're just exi existing waiting for the day that the Lord comes and rescues us no but longing for the day that every individual who names the name of Christ and those who do not yet today but will live for him exist for him that we would come fully alive. That every day we wake knowing the reason for which we were created. We wake every day with life coursing through our veins. We wake every single day longing to witness of him, to exalt him, to make him known and to make his name famous. Are you fully alive? It is the longing desire of our heart is to see a people, to see a nation, to see the nations of the earth fully alive, fully awakened to him and bowing their knee to one and one only, King Jesus. Jesus is King. So we just welcome you tonight on this Wednesday evening. It's 7 p.m. Central and we are located we're here in Frisco Texas as I mentioned it's still sunny out beautiful evening and we're so grateful that you are with us and tonight we want to dive right in to where we left off last week or whether I feel the Lord wants us to pick up from last week so let me adjust our music here I know you're enjoying this as I am but let's adjusted and and let's pray father we love you 
We honor and magnify your name. We give glory to you for you're the only one who is worthy. And I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you would have your way in the midst of us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you rest upon every word and you carry every word in the glory of your grace and touch the listeners tonight for one reason, that they're transformed into a place of living, breathing like you, bearing your image, moving forth in your likeness as we prepare for your return. As we prepare to present you with the reward of your suffering, the reward of your perfect living, the reward due a king. So we just thank you that you have your way. You say what you desire. And I tonight as your servant and your son surrender my mouth, my mind, my will, and my emotions that you might speak through this vessel of clay. And even while we speak on this podcast, may you heal, deliver, set free, bring breakthrough in the lives of your children, in the lives of your son and daughter. Convict those who do not believe in you, who have not yet surrendered to you. Convict those who belong to you and yet there is compromise and mixture in any area of their life. We love you. We honor and magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hallelujah. Let us, as I mentioned, let's dive right in. Last week, I'm just checking all the feeds here. Seems like everything is well, praise Jesus. But last week, we had this discussion And it was titled, Teach Us to Number Our Days. It comes out of Psalm 90. And I'm not there. I'm in another passage. Hold on. Let me flip my, if you grab your Bibles. Psalm 90, verse 12. This verse several months ago jumped out at me it just leapt off the pages and I don't know how often I've read the Psalms or how many times I've read through them or anything like that so I I was aware of the verse but on this particular day several months ago it just jumped off the pages David is writing in this verse the fallacy, the frailty of man and the awesomeness of the Lord our God. How mighty he is and how in comparison to him we are nothing. We are filled with sins and iniquity and we, we are like he mentions As he says, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past. And like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. 
They are like sleep in the morning. They are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down. He's saying that the measure of our life when it is compared to you is like the morning sun where it comes up and flourishes and by the evening it is cut down. It is like this one day. It is so quickly. It is nothing in comparison to you. And he says you in verse 8, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. He says, we finish our years like a sigh. Like, oh, what has my life been and become? And David writes, the days of our lives are like 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. I made mention last week and oh, you know what? I wanted, let me see if I can pull it up here. I just thought about some notes that I wanted to have available to us for tonight. Just thought about them. Excuse me, I'm looking for them. But David says, if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. And then he says down here in verse 12, oh, I found them here. He says, so teach us to number our days. David cries out and he says, Lord, Teach us, train us to assess and to assign a value. It's the, what the word number means. Our days. That word days means and indicates lifespan. Teach us to assign a value to our lives. Why? Because it is frail. There is sin. There is iniquity. In comparison to you, to your greatness, our life is nothing. Psalms 39, 5. Psalms 39, 11. Let me see if I can get there quickly and come back. Psalms 39, 5 says this. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. And he says, Selah, think about this, consider this. That at my best, in his presence, in comparison to him, my life is but a vapor. You see it and it is gone before you know it. 
verse 11 of Psalm 39. When with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is vapor. So David cries, teach us to number. You, you know, one more verse, let me. James 4.14. James 4.14 says this, and then I'll come back. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? I can hear the voice of Leonard Ravenhill asking this question. What is your life? <laughs> it is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Our life is fleeting. It is but a moment. David says in verse 4 of Psalm 90, for a thousand years in your sight, in the sight of the Lord, are like yesterday. Today is Wednesday for most of us on those western edges. On the east, they were already into Thursday, but it is Wednesday for us. And he says a thousand years are like yesterday. So what is the value of our life? He is not merely talking about the years, the number of days. But it is the life that I live within those years. Teach me to assign the right value to the days, to my lifespan. That I may gain a heart that is attuned and locked into wisdom. The right applying of the knowledge of heaven into heaven that I might have a heart that is fixed upon attuned into heaven what is my life what is my life meant for is my life simply meant to be entertained is my life simply meant to go from new device to new device? Is my life simply meant to go into work from nine to five for 30 years and then I retire and then I wait to die? Is that my life? David says otherwise. He says there's so many, all of these things that take place, the sins, the iniquity, the going up and down. We are small in your eyes. Our life is but vapor. Our life is like this. He says, so teach us, dear Lord. Teach us, Father, to assign value as it pertains to the Ephesians 4 mandate, us stepping into the divine plan that our life is you and I are the dream of God. There is a dream that he has that he has wrapped in flesh. And he's called it you. He's called it me. And there is a precise 
intentional, perfect plan that he has just for my life. Just for me. And he's called me, me to step into it. Teach me to assign the right value to my days. I believe that if we had the right value assigned to the days and the span of our life, oh, we would not waste it in front of a television for hours on end. We would not waste it in front of the internet for hours on end. If we were fully aware, fully aware of the value that is assigned to our lives. Why is there a value assigned to it? For the one who is greatly to be valued, greatly to be, be praised, greatly to be esteemed. The one who has no beginning nor end of days. The one who is Lord of all, who is God over all, the creator of all things. That one saw fit to create my life. That one spoke me into existence. That one has given me the breath of life, which is his breath, for he is life. I just, uh, at dinner tonight, although I'm not eating, for I'm in the midst of a fast, but uh, sitting at the table with my wife and children, we were having a discussion, and I was talking to my children about the fact that everything that proceeds forth from God is life. He is life. There is no death within him. And so anyone who is completely locked into the father has life coursing through his veins and how that Satan, there is no hope for redemption or changing for him. For unlike you and I who had a tempter, we are tempted in every facet to step into sin. He did not, and therefore he is complete darkness. There is no measure of light that has been uh, withheld by him or still in him. He is complete darkness, complete death, complete fear, complete all of these negative things on the opposite end of the Father. And so when we align ourselves with him in any kind of way, knowingly, unknowingly, we do not rightly value our life. We do not right because we have not aligned ourselves completely with life himself, where the value comes from. The one who is life gave us life. Genesis 2-7, and God breathed into the nostril of a body that had been created out of the dust of the ground and Adam became a living being. Adam was not alive until God breathed the breath of life, his life into him. He was formed, he was fashioned. You can tell that there was a body and he was a man, but he had no animation until God breathed into him. For the one who is life has breathed into us. The one who is the master potter. 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, in Romans, it speaks of the potter who is upon the clay. And he formed and fashioned the clay of which you and I are into his masterpiece. Teach us, dear Lord, to number. Teach us to rightly assign value. Uh, Isaiah, I want to read this. I felt like the Lord said these weren't a part of my original notes until today. Assigning value, rightly valuing. Isaiah 6. What value do you hold? Do you know the value that you are? Do you know what is wrapped inside of you? Have you, have I, have we leaned into the heart of the Father to such a degree that we are aware of the value that he has placed in us. It is his value. It is his life. It is his voice. It is his touch. He says to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, and you know, I, I, if you remember, I taught on this a couple of months ago. Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah rightly sees the Lord. When that which had his eye, that which was comfortable, was removed from him, he now sees the Lord rightly. He says, I see him high and lifted up. And the train of his robe, Isaiah says, fills the temple. He sees him rightly. He sees him in his grandeur, in his majesty. In a way he had not. But then by him seeing the Lord rightly, he sees himself rightly. And he says, woe is me for I am undone, the prophet. Because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts, he says in Isaiah 6, 5. Then one of the angels, the seraphim, flies over with a coal from the altar of the Lord and places it on his lips. He says, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. And Isaiah says this, rightly esteeming coming to a place of understanding his value and I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us teach us O Lord to rightly value our days that we might attain to a heart of wisdom is there not enough in our day he says who will go for us then he says here I am Lord Send me. He valued the Lord, saw him rightly, saw himself correctly, began to value what the Lord had placed in him to rightly value his days. And he says, here I am, Lord. You have placed something in me. I will go for you. Is there not enough today for us to do? 
Is there not enough parents right now? Is there not enough happening in our school district that inside of you that it will awaken a groan, awaken a voice, awaken inside of you something that says, I will war that the kingdom of God would return into our school system. Years ago, we allowed them, allowed prayer to be taken out of our school. Where is the mass awakening? We allowed prayer to be removed. We allowed this and we allowed all of these things to take place. Waiting to be rescued. Not recognizing that there is a value assigned to the days of my life. There is an anointing. There is a calling. There are skills and talents that have been placed upon me. There is a voice that has been given to me. Jesus declared, what you hear in secret, declare openly. In our day, is there not a cause for which we ought to fight? You see it all over scripture. That in the midst of oppression, in the midst of a squeezing, in the midst of persecution, there would be awakening in the hearts and lives of men and will, women. For it was said, is there, they would cry, is there not a cause? David said it when Goliath came against the children of Israel and he blasphemed the name of the Lord and defied the armies of the living God, David said. He said, is there not a cause? The little boy who was a shepherd came and took the place that warriors all around refused to. Teach us to assign value to our day. Is there not enough for us to say that we would be awakened to what is inside of us. Is there anything in us, inside of us at this moment that cries out to be changed in the midst of our society, to be changed around us, that the Lord is attempting to awake, to resurrect inside of us, that his voice may ring out and resonate through us, that we might actually live for the very first time. Are we not hearing the voice of the Lord? As Isaiah heard right here in this passage, who will go for us? Have you not heard the question of the Lord? Asking who will do this for me? Is there anyone who will go for me? Is there anyone who will go into the hospitals for me? And pray to empty out the emergency room wards? Is there anyone who will go into the prisons and bring freedom to those who are captive behind bars? Is there anyone who will go before school boards and war on behalf of the children, war on behalf 
of impressionable minds that they have the freedom to live under the banner of the kingdom of God. Is there anyone who will stand for righteousness in this day and in this hour? Is there anyone who has heard the Lord say, who will go for me and who will war on behalf of families who are under attack? Is there anyone who will go for me? Whom shall I send? He asks Isaiah, who will go? Are we still all saved? Someone needs to do something about this. And we have not said, Lord, here I am. I'll go wherever you want. Have I not realized that there is a value that must be assigned to the days of my life? I am not waiting for someone else. I am not waiting on the Lord. He is waiting upon me. Teach us to number a sign of value to our days that we might obtain a heart, that we might come to this place of having a heart, a wisdom. He asks Isaiah. Isaiah hears the Lord saying, who will go for me? Who will lay down their life for me? If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is he not still asking? Who will go for me? Is he not asking, is there anyone who is available for me to send? Who will fight for me? Who will fight for the kingdom? Who will take territory for me? Who will allow healing power to flow through them for me? Who will step into the prophetic offices purely, truly for me? That I might say what I desire and not simply what you want to say, who will go for me in your city, in your region? It is not by accident that for the vast majority of us that we live where we live, that we exist where we exist. It is not by accident that we are where we are unless we have been in resistance to what the Lord is asking of us. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to assign and assess a value. One more passage of scripture for tonight, I believe. I wrote three down, but there's this one. He says to Isaiah once again, who will go for us, the Lord asks. Who will give their life for us? Jesus told the apostles and those disciples that 120, well, he initially told the 500, but it was the 120 who remained, who stayed in the upper room. He says, you will be witnesses of me. When the Holy Spirit comes, will you go for me? 
500 were told, but only 120 stayed. 380 left. I wonder what happened to those 380. They had not assessed and assigned the right value from heaven for their life. Not seen the integral part that their life plays for the plan of the Lord. What mother, stay-at-home mom there, or stay-at-home father right now, right now, in our hour and in our day, your assignment may be to deeply raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is free to move and to arrest your children from a young age, whether you homeschool or send them off, your, your plan is sure. Maybe it is to join a local mom's group or a homeschooling group or whatever in your city and bring the presence of God with you. It's a part. Have you assessed and know the value for the span of your life? Maybe it is for you to join the local school board to ensure that the kingdom is a part of every decision that is made to fight on behalf of children who may not have anyone who know any better to fight for them to fight for parents that righteousness will reign the bible tells us that when the righteous are in rule there is joy but when the wicked rule there is groaning Maybe for you, you're in the grandparent stage of your life and, and the Lord is saying that there is a wisdom that you should carry that should be poured down into your children who are parents. But maybe you are to be the intercessors on the wall for your grandchildren, for your children, and you are to give your life now in this hour to praying for the full manifestation of the kingdom of God in this day and in this hour. Have you assessed have you asked the Lord to help you assess and to know the value of your life? Have you heard the cry of the Lord? Who will do this for me? Who will do it? If not you, then who? We're waiting. How often do you hear someone say, someone needs to do something about this? How often do you I say, someone needs to do something about this. But have we paused to say, Lord, here I am. It is in my heart. Send me. Send me. Has there begun to be an anguish of soul over the condition of our nation and the condition of the nations of the world currently? Has there begun to be an anguish of soul that a generation is walking away from the Lord and embracing demonic trends and demonic ways? Has there been an anguish of soul for a revealing of the true heart, the love, the power of God in your day and in your hour, in your neighborhood, all around you? Teach us, Lord. Here I am. Send me, Isaiah says. He hears it 
And I pray that right now, all of us, by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God, that Holy Spirit would speak it, would yell it, who will go for us. That he will ask you, will you do this for me? Will you do this for me? Will you plant your life in this city? Will you give your life for this region? Will you give your life for this school? Will you give your life for this after school program? Will you build, give your life for this business? Will you give your life for, for the government here in local government, national? Will you give your life for me? Here's one more verse. And I do want to read this statistic or stats I have. Ezekiel 22.30. Verse 29, Ezekiel says this. I remember the first time I ever read this verse. I was attending a church in Tenley Park, Illinois. That church no longer is there. They've changed the name. Someone else has taken it over. But for years, I spent 10 years of my life there. And I remember the first time I read this. Maybe in 1999. I was gripped. In verse 29, he says this, The people of the land have used oppressions and committed robbery and mistreated the poor and needy, and they have wrongfully oppressed the stranger. Does that happen today anywhere around you? Is there any uh, 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 evil around you? Are there any mistreating? Are there any oppressions around you? Are there any wrongdoings around where you are? Listen to the voice of the Lord. Because there, if there is anything around you, anything that you see that you say it needs to change, I remember speaking at a church uh, five years ago here in Dallas. And I said to this church, if racism still bothers you, if sexism still bothers you, if all of these isms and things bother you and you see them in the world, then it is the responsibility of the church and it is the problem of the church that they are there and exist until the church, until we come into the full reality of who we are it won't change the society because we've been called to establish the kingdom heaven on earth right pray Jesus said your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so if there's any wrongdoing if there's any uh, lying deceit in any thing that would originate out of the heart and the mind of the devil. Teach us, Lord, to number our days, for there is work for us to do. Here I am, Lord, send me. The word of the Lord was this to Ezekiel in 22:30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me, he says, on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one, he says. I will say this. 
over my years as a Christian, as a believer, I have heard many people say that this is the judgment of the Lord for this issue, this reason. I've heard many say that the Lord can come and wipe this wicked, sinful generation out because of their sin. But I have not heard many declare Ezekiel 22:30, where the Lord says, I sought for a man. I sought for a woman among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before the Lord and the people on behalf of the land and he would not destroy it. And he says, but I found no one. There is an open invitation right here. Here is a help wanted ad in the scriptures. The Lord is looking for someone who will go. Someone who will stand in the gap, who will make a wall before the people and the Lord, who will stand in the gap and intercede and lay down their life, that kingdom power, kingdom authority, kingdom structure would return to the land. And I remember when I read, but I found no one. My heart broke and I wept. Because I said, Lord, I want to be the one. I want to be one of those that you can count on, depend on, who will go for you and stand in the gap and be what you want me to be for a people, for a region, for a city, for a nation, whatever it may be. I want to be. Why? So that you do not destroy it. Maybe, just maybe, we might be in need of checking our own heart when we are asking the Lord to destroy a nation of people because of sin. He told the disciples when they said, Lord, do you want us to rain down fire? Jesus looks at them and says, you do not know what spirit you are of. Here is the help wanted at, and I pray that right now, the Holy Spirit would grip you with holy fear. That he would grip you because one day you will stand. You and I will stand before the Lord of glory. And we will give an account of the life we have lived in him. And I pray that we have learned as David cried out. To assign the rightful value that the Lord has placed upon our lives. The number of our days. And that here the help wanted add that you and I would say, as Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Who will go for me? Who? He said, I sought. The Lord is seeking. He's looking for men and women who will wake in the night watches. He's looking for men and women who will pace their floors in the midnight when people are long sleeping, 1, 2, 3 a.m., He's looking for men and women who will give their lives in intercession, not entertainment. He is looking for men and women who will give their life to the study of the scripture, to the living out righteousness. That, that he would not come and destroy the earth. He is not looking for men and women who call for him to 
rain down fire to destroy the earth. Maybe we need heart adjustment. May he teach us to value our days. I just want to read this as it pertains to life. Many people in our society, we've been taught that once we re reach a certain age, retirement is here. My, my own mother has just recently, very recently retired. And we are told in our society that we work 30, 40 years and then we retire and then we sit around and wait to die. There's this study that just came out and I, wanted, I just want to read this little bit of this article. Older is better. Just so you know, you are in a groove. An extensive study in the USA found that the most productive age in human life, listen to this, teach us to value our days. The most productive age in human life is between 60 and 70 years of age. So those of you who have let yourself go, those of you who think uh, life is over, I'm just sitting here biding my time till I die because you're in the 60, you're in the 70 age group, whatever. It is a lie from the pit of hell. May the Lord teach us to assign the right value to our day, okay? The second most productive stage of human life, uh, of the human being is from 70 to 80 years of age. Listen to that. The mo two most productive decades in human life, number one is 60 to 70, number two is 70 to 80 years. So those of you who think life is over, may the Holy Spirit awaken you right now and you begin to fight like never before to be able to run with him because there is more to do. Who will go for us? He, I, uh, he asks Isaiah or Isaiah hears. Ezekiel hears him say, I sought for a man amongst them who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But I, I found no one. The third, listen to this. The third most productive stage is from 50 to 60 years of age. I just stepped into this decade a couple of months ago. That's the third most productive. So the mo the, they did a study here in the United States and found that the most productive years of a person's life is from 50 to 80. I saw a podcast yesterday that Patricia King did. She interviewed Marilyn Hickey. Marilyn Hickey is about to turn 91. She just wrote her latest book and she's still going, still traveling. No signs of giving up. Kenneth Copeland is 85, I believe, turns 86 this year, still transversing the globe. I sought for a man. The Lord is looking for someone who says, who raises their hand and says, here I am. Teach us to number our days. The average age of the presidents of the prominent companies in the world is 63 years. 
The average age of the pastors of the 100 largest churches in the USA is 71. The average age of the popes is 76. This tells us in a way that it has been determined that the best years of your life are between 60 and 80 years. Listen to this. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that at age 60, listen to this. At the age of 60, you reach the top of your potential. And this continues into your 80s. This is secular world telling us. Well, the Lord is already determined for us. There is no retiring. They write, I'm going to say this again as I'm ending this podcast. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that at age 60, you reach the top potential, your top potential, and this continues into your 80. Top potential, meaning your mental acumen and the experiences of your life and everything you've been through coalescing and your strength and ability and everything and your ability to be able to put out and put it all together. Therefore, if you are between 60 and 70 or 70 and 80, you are in the best and second best level of your life. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to assign the right value, Lord, that we might run for you. You and I are part of the puzzle of God. May we answer his cry. He's looking for men. He's looking for women who will raise their hand and say, yes, it may not be to a pulpit. It may not be on a public stage. It may be behind the scenes, 30 years of intercession for a government, 30 years of intercession for a ministry, 30 years plus of intercession for your family. It may be intercession for a state, a government of a state, for a nation, for governments of nation. It may be the raising of Billy Graham's where the mantle has fallen. Teach us to see the value that you've placed upon our lives, that we might assign that value to our days and live like we have purpose. It's the point of assigning value. Because if I know the value that the Father has placed upon my life, and I live out of that value, I live with purpose all the days of my life until the day he says, no more, come home. Or he comes, and we meet him to usher him into his kingdom reign. Amen. Well, I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you, convict me, challenge us tonight to see the value that he's assigned for our lives, to answer his heart cry. Yes, I'll go for you. I'll do it. What would you have me to do, Lord? To ask the question and then to say yes. Father, we love you. I bless you, Lord, and I ask you to bless my brothers and my sisters and all the hearers who are watching this podcast now and who are listening on replay. 
that you would teach them, Lord, how valuable their life is and what the value of their life is. That they might run, that we might run with purpose every day of our life. Every day of our life, that we might live in complete purpose. May you have your way with us, in us, and through us. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining. You have been watching and listening to the Father's Table podcast. This is episode number 60, volume two of Teach Us, Lord, to number our days. Teach us to assign the right value to our lifespan. I pray you've been blessed, challenged, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will do a transforming work in your life through this message. May the God who is healer heal your bodies. May the God who is the Lord of the breakthrough bring breakthrough in every area that you need right now. May the God who is deliverer step into your situation, deliver you from demonic oppression, from demonic strongholds. May he deliver you from the hooks of the enemy that you might fully live and freely live. Well, God bless you this Wednesday night. I'm grateful that you've chosen to join us. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine richly upon you. Until next Wednesday, this has been Ronnell Tate, pastor of the Father's House Frisco and your host of the Father's House podcast. God bless you and we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.